Nisa and I are very happy to be with you here at Boulevard again. We've been here before. Sorry for the computer up here. A little over two weeks ago, I was doing some gardening and bushes. I bent over and a sharp stick stuck me in the eye. I didn't think much about it at first, but then I got infected and got an ulcer, and so my eyes aren't nearly as good as I would like, but I can see there's people out there. And I'm not going to ask <clears throat> how many of you read chapters 40 and 41 of Genesis. I hope all of you did, but it's a familiar story. I think most of you would be familiar with it if you've read the Bible very much at all. And I thought of how to describe Joseph's life <clears throat> from actually starting in chapter 39. He was despised by his brothers. Then, in chapter 40, he was tempted by Potiphar's wife. He was mistreated, thrown into prison, and then he was forgotten by the man he had hoped would remember him and get him out of prison. So, uh, despised, tempted, mistreated, and forgotten. It's not things I'd like to apply to my own life, and most of us wouldn't. But I don't know how many of you have had the privilege of talking to brothers and sisters who have <clears throat> suffered for the Lord. I've had that privilege a number of times. I don't recall all those I've talked to, but because of where we live, there are a number. But years ago, even before we went to Hong Kong, I remember a brother... Richard Wormbrand. He was a Romanian pastor who suffered many, many years in communist pr prisons in Romania. He wrote a book called Tortured for Christ. Oh, thank you very large. And uh, some of you may be familiar with his name. He started an organization called Voice of the Martyrs. I had the privilege to meet him after he spoke at a church in Fort Lauderdale and go to have a cup of tea afterwards. Another brother had some messages from behind the Iron Curtain. I was very impressed with this man who had suffered for Christ. And then I've met a few times Pastor Samuel Lamb, who has a house church in China. He suffered more than 20 years in prison because of his faith in Christ. He was tortured. He's still preaching for the Lord. But I'd like to uh, tell you a little bit about a man that we met. Nisa and I both met him. It must have been, do you remember what year Johnny came out of China? Excuse me. It's 35 years probably. Johnny, John Chin is his name. His grandmother was an American missionary. She went to the China went to China in the twenties. I've forgotten which mission group she was in, but she broke the rules. She fell in love with her language teacher. And the mission group said you're not supposed to have special relationship with any of the national Chinese people. Well, she left the group, married this gentleman. They were very active for the Lord in a big church in Beijing, China. So what happened to John? Instead of 
being put in the very best schools, getting all the privileges, they put him in a labor camp. This was not like Camp Horizon. He told me during the summer they farmed, they would plant rice or corn, this sort of thing. During the winter when crops weren't growing, they made little rocks out of big rocks for gravel, for paving roads, things like that. They sometimes would eat grass or leaves or tree bark just to put something in their stomach. The food, they were given food, but not much and not very good. But he said, it's really not so bad. You only work 360 days a year, and then you got five days off, all at one time, at Chinese New Year. And he said, if you work real hard and you didn't cause any trouble... You'd get a new pair of shorts, a new t-shirt, and the equivalent of $5. Any takers? I know some people are unemployed in this country. Would you like a job like that? I don't think so. For two years he suffered because of his faith. He was finally able to get out of China. He came to the United States because his grandmother had gotten out. We had the privilege, actually, of introducing Johnny to the girl that he married. The reason I bring this up, persecution is going on today. It's not just 3,500 years ago whenever Joseph was around. It's not... I hope all of you have read Fox's Book of Martyrs. If you've never read it, get a copy. See the way people have suffered through the ages, and they are suffering today for Christ. It hasn't stopped. We're going to look at Joseph. I am going to start just at the end of chapter 39, just for connection. It says, And he was there in the prison. You remember, he wouldn't mess with Potiphar's wife. He got thrown in prison. But the next verse says, But the Lord was with Joseph. He wasn't alone. Joseph had the Lord with him. Now, in chapter 40, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but it came to pass after these things. Now, we're not told how long, but Joseph's already in prison. And I'm guessing... And I wouldn't split a church if you disagree with me. He's 24, 25 years old by now. He had had time after he became in Potiphar's house. He worked his way up till he was number one slave. Being a slave isn't great, but being number one slave is better than being the lowest slave. Anyway, he got to prison, and I didn't think he, he was having problems with Potiphar's wife after a week of employment. Anyway, after these things, that the butler and baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord and the, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler, the chief baker, so he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. Now, These two men get thrown in the same prison with Joseph. People who don't know God, don't know the Bible, would say, oh, that's a coincidence. 
There are no coincidences with God. But it says, And the captain of the guard had charged Joseph with them. Joseph Joseph was pretty much running the prison like he'd run uh, Potiphar's household. These two high officials, the, the chief of the prison says, Joseph, look after these guys. Take care of them. And then, I believe this is New King James Version, the next word says, and he served them. Now, Joseph... <clears throat> I don't know if any of you have been in prison. I haven't been in prison, but when I, I worked 20 years with Vietnamese refugees in Hong Kong, and most of the camps were run by the prison's department. And I can tell you, prison officers don't often serve prisoners. They give them a rough time. They do, they make them work. I can remember in one refugee camp, you'd have four or five Vietnamese sitting around just talking. Prison officer walked by and they were required to jump up. Good morning, sir. You know, and if they didn't, they often got beaten. It was terrible. But here it says Joseph served these people. He's a prisoner also, but he had a servant's heart. It really struck me. And... It says they were in custody for a while. Now, we don't know how long they were there before they had their dreams. But each one of them had a dream. I'm not going to try to read all the details of the dreams. But it says, after they had their dreams, and each dream had a separate interpretation, verse 6, And Joseph came to them in the morning, and looked at them, and he saw that they were sad. Now, I believe Joseph was on a learning curve. Remember when Joseph had his dreams back in chapter 39? He was only 17. He wasn't very mature. And he goes and he tells his brothers his dreams First dream, you guys basically going to be bowing down to me. Look at me. He was insensitive to their feelings. And then even his mother and father were going to bow down to him. He seemed insensitive to the whole family. He wasn't an evil person. He just wasn't very sensitive. Over the period of time he had suffered in Potiphar's house and how much time he had in prison, he's become more sensitive to the needs of others. He sees that they're sad. Brothers and sisters, how often do we really see someone in our fellowship is sad? And not necessarily sad or troubled or... You see, they're happy. How sensitive are we to each other? Joseph was sensitive. He noticed the others and he asked them, what the problem was. Why do you look so sad today? He noticed something's wrong. Not only noticed, he acted on it. He acted on it. What can I do to help? This is the attitude we should have. So, 
when Joseph, I'm sure when they told him, look, we had these dreams, I'm sure Joseph thought back, boy, you know, I had some dreams too. But when he had his dreams, he wasn't concerned about feelings of others. But now these people have dreams. He is concerned with them. So, what did he do? He says to them, he says, tell me your dreams. And he said, I'm going to quote again, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. What's the idea here? Joseph is not trusting that he's smart enough to figure out dreams. In Egypt, in those days, dreams meant a lot to people. There was actually a, more than one book, How to Interpret Dreams. That's what these wise men would use, or the magicians. Joseph said, it's not in a book. It belongs to God. First, he gave God the credit. Then he says, you tell me. And basically, he's saying, I'm going to seek what God has to say, and I'll see if I can help you. Just like to interject here, something that happened to me. When I was a young boy, my father was in the citrus business, oranges and grapefruit. We were living in Texas at the time. I was nine or ten years old, and they had terrible freeze two years in a row. He didn't own a lot of groves, but he had a packing house, and there was no fruit to put through it, and he went bankrupt. And I, I can remember my father spoiled me, kind of like Joseph's father spoiled him. I used to get 25 cents every week, whether I needed it or not. And he called me and my brothers together and says, I can't give you an allowance anymore. The business has gone bad and everything. And I asked my father, I said, what are we going to do? And he answered. He said, God's going to take care of us, and I'm going to work as hard as I can. He was trusting to God, but he didn't say, I'm going to sit here until God picks me up and gives me all I need. He says, I'm going to work. Joseph said, interpretation belongs to God. Tell me your dreams. Joseph's going to do whatever he can, but he's trusting God. So many people today in this country, out of work, hard times, different things. If you're a believer, keep your focus on God more than on your problems. And I think we should all seek to find useful employment. Paul said that in Ephesians, you know, let him who was a thief steal no more, but do something with your own hands. <clears throat> Try to find work. Don't just say, God, I'm trusting you. Bring the job to me. Look in the newspaper or whatever, but trust God. So Joseph told the two men their dreams he predicted what would happen to him. One would be restored to his former position. One would die. Then, <clears throat> after the chief butler, that's the one who squeezed the grapes, told his dream to Joseph. And Joseph told him. In verse 14, Joseph said to him, But remember me. 
please remember me. You're going to be restored. When it happens, remember me. And Joseph told him, you know, I really don't belong in prison. And in that case, it was true. Most prisoners, if you go to any prison, say, do you belong here? Oh, no, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. Most of them belong there, but Joseph really didn't. Anyway, and I tried to imagine again, if I was Joseph, am I in that situation? God gives me the interpretation for the dream, and I tell, and I know this guy's going to get out, and he's going to be right there next to Pharaoh. Hey, mention me. Maybe you can get me out of here. In the back of his mind, Joseph may have been thinking, this is the way God's going to get me out of this terrible situation. Now, again, I want to emphasize, as far as I can understand reading the story of Joseph, yes, he was somewhat insensitive with his own family, but he, he wasn't a bad guy. This story, God was with him, God was with him, God was with him. He's seeking God. He's doing everything right, you might say, and everything's going wrong. My friend Johnny, he's serving God. He gets thrown in prison for two years in the work camp. There's Christians suffering in China, in Vietnam, North Korea, Saudi Arabia, other places all around the world because they're doing the right thing and God lets them suffer anyway. Sometimes suffering is a result of sin, but not always. Sometimes. So he may have thought, this is the way God's going to get me out of prison. But the butler forgot Joseph. And how easily do we all forget? We forget things others do for us. Sometimes we forget what God has done for us. I'm so thankful the Lord Jesus Christ considered our proneness to forget and left visible reminders we had this morning, the bread and the cup, to remember with something we can see, we can touch, to remember what it costs for our salvation. Joseph said, don't forget me. The Lord Jesus said, when you do this, remember me. And we should. I'm so thankful for it. Anyway, have to hurry. So Joseph said to the butler, Remember me when it's well with you, and please show kindness to me, make mention to the Pharaoh, and get me out of this. The man didn't do it. And as I say, both dreams were fulfilled just as God showed Joseph they were. And that chapter ends with Joseph still stuck in prison. I don't believe Joseph was a happy camper in prison. He wanted to be free, and rightly so. Freedom's wonderful. Seeking freedom. If you, if you live in a... We worked so many years with the refugees, they ran away from countries where they're basically prisoners. They wanted to come to this country or Canada or Australia or other places where they could be free. Again, let's... Just a brief review. Joseph's life so far. Now, we know he was born into a dysfunctional family. I'm, I'm sure that was covered before. 
The family had at least 13 children with one father and four mothers. I only know of one daughter, I think. Joseph's mother died when he was quite young. We don't know the exact age. So he was raised with his father and three stepmothers. Now God showed things to Joseph at an early age. He's about 17. Shows that he would become more important than the other family members. And we know Joseph did his best to follow God, to obey God, do what God wanted. And what did it get him? It got him in trouble time and time again. Most of us think if I really serve God right, He's going to bless me with enough money, a nice home, all the blessings, material blessings. It doesn't always happen. Material things can be blessings should be blessing. Whatever God's blessed with, recognize it. But he ended up as a slave. And his whole life was like a roller coaster. He's his dad's favorite and his brothers hate him. He comes out of his house and he gets up to be the top slave and he's thrown in prison. Rises to the top in prison, thinks the butler's going to get him out because he helped the butler out and He's forgotten again. Up and down. Up and down. And if you think about Joseph, from a natural point of view, you might say, why did he stay faithful to God? Many people would have said, I'm serving this God and He's letting all these terrible things happen to me. I'm going to find another God. Some people do. Some people profess faith in Christ and then things don't go well with them and they'll try Mormonism or Hinduism or they'll become a communist or what have you. They didn't really know Christ, I'm sure. Something, Joseph had the idea. God is sovereign. God's working things out. Not as fast as Joseph would have liked, I'm certain. No one is going to choose to suffer for 14 years. But all this time, God's preparing Joseph for a special job. Joseph's point of view must have seemed God's pretty slow getting things done, getting him prepared. But Joseph learned through his suffering. I wish I knew more about his life. He was in charge of Potiphar's house. Potiphar had, he was a very important person. Joseph had to learn some administrative skills there. So I was thinking about it. I would have said Joseph got an MBA from Potiphar University. Not easy, maybe, but he learned a lot of things how to run the business, how to keep things going. He had people under him. Then he gets thrown in jail and the jailer recognizes, here's a guy who knows how to run things and turns everything over to him. Again, from the end of chapter 39 to the end of chapter 40 is about 14 years. You can read through it in just a few minutes. Doesn't seem like much. God's preparing Joseph. 
Now, 14 years seems a long time, but think about it. I, I'm so thrilled today to see so many of the young children, and particularly saying Bible verses, and having them stand up in front of everybody and saying Bible verses. Number one, they're getting the Bible into their heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart so that I won't sin against you. Number two, they're doing it publicly. They're learning. Yes, some of them are shy. They need a little extra encouragement. But they're learning to speak about God publicly without worrying too much about it. The older ones were very smooth. I'm sure they've done it several times. Some of the little ones may be second or third time. I'm not sure. But it's wonderful. They're learning. And I'm so thankful you people are doing this for these children. Helping them learn to witness about their faith in God. Yes, they're not preaching a sermon or anything, but they're putting the word in their hearts and they're learning to say it to other people. Hallelujah. Joseph's preparing 14 years. God's preparing him. But think about it. What do you do with your children when they're five or six? Send them to kindergarten, first grade? How many years are they going to be in school? 13 or 14 before they get to university. And if they go to university, they've probably got another three or four. Unless they want to be a doctor, it may be 10 more years. You're talking more than 20 years to prepare someone for their life work. God got Joseph through it in 14 years. It's not such a long time. But it seems, I'm sure, seemed to Joseph. When I was in school, it seemed a long time to me. But again, Joseph's life. Serve God, get promoted. Continue serving God, get thrown into prison. Serve God and get promoted again. Serve by interpreting dreams and get hope of release and get forgotten. Well, he must have been discouraged. Chapter 41. Read a little bit of it. Verse 1. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years. Now this time we're given the exact time that Pharaoh had a dream. Now I'm not going to go through all of Pharaoh's dream, again, I hope you've read it. If you haven't, I'll give very briefly Pharaoh dreamed he's standing by the Nile River. There's six, or no, seven fat cows eating along by the river. And they seem fine. And seven skinny cows look like they're about to starve to death, come out of the river and eat up the seven fat cows. Now, that would be a shocking dream because I've never seen a cow eat a cow. I know the Chick-fil-A sign has cows on it, but anyway, I never saw a cow eat a chicken either. But very strange dream. And then he wakes up, he goes back to sleep, and he has another dream. There's seven full ears of grain, look so healthy, and seven scrawny, shriveled-up ones look like it's in the Midwest now with the drought. Eat up the seven full ones. I've never heard of grain eating other grain. Weird, weird dreams. And none of his magicians or wise men or anybody could tell him what it meant. And then the butler says, Oh, you know, I had a dream two years ago. 
So he tells Pharaoh, you know, there was this guy down there. He's a Hebrew. Now, I'm not sure Pharaoh know what a, knew what a Hebrew was. But the butler says, hey, there's this guy. He's in prison. He told our dreams and they came true. Maybe he can help you. So, after he spoke to the butler, he, uh, the butler, Pharaoh says, well, get him up here. And what's it said? Verse 14, chapter 41, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. Okay. Fourteen years of waiting, and now everything's happening all at once. Pharaoh calls him. You can't go before Pharaoh in your prison rags. Israelites didn't shave that much. A lot of them have beards. Or Hebrews, they weren't Israelites as such then. Anyway, Egyptians were always clean shaven. So Joseph, look, you've got to take a bath, you've got to put on clean clothes and get rid of that beard. You don't want to offend the Pharaoh. So he gets called in before Pharaoh and Pharaoh says, look, I had this dream and nobody can tell me, but I've heard, Pharaoh says, I've heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. Now, think back for a minute. Who is Joseph's father? Jacob. And I thought for a minute, now if this is Jacob, and he, he was a schemer, you know, he tried to cheat his uncle out of everything and this, that. He said, Pharaoh, yeah, I can tell you your dream, but first... Let's make a deal. What's in it for me if I tell you what your dream's about? I'm, that's the kind of guy Jacob was. I don't know how Joseph got so much on the right track with the family he came from, but God did it. God used him. And it says, Joseph answered Pharaoh and said, It is not in me. I can't tell you the interpretation. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. God will do it. Again, Joseph's not taking any credit for himself. God used him to interpret dreams, but he didn't say, oh, I've got the power. So, again, the dream is repeated. Pharaoh tells him the two dreams, the cows and the grain. Verse 25. And again, Joseph said to Pharaoh, uh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Unlike Jacob, Joseph just gives it straight. Not what's in it for me. I'll tell you what your dream is if you promise to send me back home or whatever. And he says, you're going to have seven years of plenty. And then you're going to have seven years with very little. And he said, God told you twice because it's certain to come true. I think Joseph may have thought back to his own dreams came twice. This is certain to come true. And Joseph, as I say, I think he got his MBA from Potiphar University. He 
interprets the dreams, that's the meaning. Basically, you can have seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. Part of the interpretation was not what to do about it. Nothing in the dream tells you what to do, but he said, Pharaoh, my advice is, when you've got plenty, store it up. Raise taxes now, when everybody's got lots to pay. 20% tax across the board. Everything's grown, you take 20%. And then when the hard times come, you give it back to the people or sell it back to them, basically. Joseph saw what the problem's going to be, and he thinks of a solution. So Pharaoh says, hey, this is uh, this guy on the ball. says the advice was good. Verse 37, after he told him, the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this in whom is the Spirit of God? Now, I don't know that Pharaoh understood much about the true God. The Egyptians had all kinds of false gods, the sun god. They had animal gods. and The Nile River was a god. But he recognized something special in Joseph. I don't say that he was converted at that time. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there's no one as discerning as wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. Now think about that for a moment. Joseph's been in Egypt 14 years. Much of the time was suffering injustice even when he served God faithfully again I'm sure he thought God's slow in taking care of things but now just in a few hours he's taken out of prison he tells the dreams and he becomes prime minister sometimes when God acts he does it quickly now it was a long time before God acted but when he did bang 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 just like that Joseph went from the lowest to the highest almost immediately. Again, Egypt was the number one superpower of the world at that time. Now, I'm sure, again, Pharaoh knew Joseph was an Egyptian, but I don't think he had any idea who the Hebrews were, the family of Jacob. So, Pharaoh took his ring off and gave it to Joseph. Joseph could make decrees in the name of Pharaoh. Now we say, oh, he served God all those years. Now he's being blessed. Yes, he is. He's being blessed with material things, a high position. You say he's a big success. But I think being successful, having a high position can be just as tempting to go away from God as suffering. You try to do everything right. I know people who serve God well and say, say, oh, when my ship comes in, when I get a lot of money, I'm going to do this for God, I'm going to do that, and then become successful. They quit going to church. 
They go after all the worldly pleasures, get a bigger house, a yacht, a Corvette, whatever, and seem to forget God. Satan can use success just as much as suffering to try to turn you from God. Joseph, I think, faced a different kind of challenge. He's now the prime minister, given power, which was beyond what most anyone could imagine at that time. You've all heard the expression, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Well, Joseph had nearly absolute power, but he was an exception. I don't doubt Satan tempted him. Hey, now you've got everything. You can forget about God. It's not in the story, but Satan knows how to tempt us in whatever situation we're in. But Joseph did remain faithful to God. Pharaoh gave him a wife, and God gave him two sons. Verse 51, Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. And what does it mean? For God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. It didn't mean he forgot all about his family. I'm sure it didn't mean he forgot all those things that happened in the 14 years. Somebody had to pass it on so Moses could write it down. But he knows God is working to change his circumstance. And then he had a second child. In the name of the second he called Ephraim. Why? For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Look at these names. Joseph still focused on God. He focused on God when everything was terrible. He's focusing on God when everything's wonderful. This is the way we should live our lives. You proclaim to be a Christian. Where is your focus? Whether... Whatever the circumstance, remember what Paul said, I've learned whatever circumstances I'm in, therewith to be content. I don't think Paul enjoyed prison any more than Joseph did. But he was looking at God. He was trusting God. Joseph was doing this, and we must do the same. I can't even see the clock. I'm probably over time. Anyway, I'll finish. Most of us will experience suffering in our lives of some sort. You can have marital problems. You can have, I, we've heard stories of Christians whose children have gone on drugs and gone into all sorts of other things recently. Heartbreaking. You can lose your job. I know the unemployment's high in this country. Or you can be fabulously successful and Satan tempts you to look away from God and look at all the things you have remember the rich man in the Bible I have all these goods stored up for many years no thought of God whatever our circumstances we have trials again it could be injustice it could be personal whatever let us learn from Joseph not only focus on God when we have difficult, difficult times, and he did for years and years. Focus on God when he's blessed you with the good things. If you love him, 
What did he say? Romans 8.28 All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Whatever's going on in your life, it's not a mistake. Lots of things catch me by surprise. Sticking a, the stick in my eye caught me by surprise. It didn't catch God by surprise. He knows what He's doing. He knew what was going to happen to me long before I did. And He's working it out for some purpose. Whatever's going on in your life, God is still working. And He may still be preparing you we talked to a lady yesterday. She's 93. She says, why doesn't God take me home? Well, maybe He's using her now just to touch another life before He takes her home. Maybe He's been preparing her 93 years for that. I don't know. Don't try to plan things for God, but keep your focus on Him like Joseph did. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for Your Word. You show us how Your servants, sometimes You bless them abundantly. We think of King Solomon and the wealth and wisdom You gave him. But here we look at the story of Joseph and we read of Paul when he served You so faithfully and suffered beatings in prisons and Lord, help us to be like these men and focus on you and trust in your goodness, trust in your sovereignty. I thank you so much, Lord, that you planned for our salvation before the foundation of the world. You knew we would all be sinners. You planned for your son to come. That great love you showed, you sent the Lord Jesus he was willing to lay down his life for us. Help us who know him, Lord, to really focus on you and seek whatever physical blessings we have, spiritual, mental, whatever gifts you've given us, help us to focus on you and see how you want us to serve you in each situation we're in. And again, I thank you for these children and help all of us, adults too, to be eager to share your word with those particularly who do not know you. We pray in Jesus' name.